Well, welcome to a special edition of the uh, Jerry Reynolds Show from the beautiful studios here at McCreary's uh, uh, Home Furnishings. Uh, obviously, uh, still the site of the best furniture deals in the Sacramento area and the best quality furniture you can get. And uh, anyway, so uh, just wanted to touch base with the several things here. It's well past uh, mid-season of the NBA season, and as you know, uh, I have opinions on just about everything, and as you know, probably some of them would differ from yours and might even appear a little stupid, but then again, I'm probably right more than you are. But uh, anyway, just to go through uh, some of the awards that I would uh, have at mid past mid-season, and, 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 and having doing this, always know that at the end of the season, these things change, but uh, kind of where we are just want to kind of touch base with these. And then I want to get into some, in my opinion, things that would make the NBA game better, the season better, things of that nature. And here again, uh, see what your thoughts are along those lines as well. Uh, so let's get right to it. Uh, the most valuable player in the NBA. All right. Well, my opinion is very, very easy here. It's Giannis Adetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and you might say, well, why, why Giannis? Well, he's a reigning MVP. He currently is the very best player on the very best team with the best record. So I think that's kind of self-explanatory. Uh, I think other strong candidates would be LeBron James, who is the best player on the best team in the West and the best record uh, team in the West. And LeBron, still, still LeBron. So you put him there. Other guys, uh, you know, that I think deserve some consideration. Uh, Nikola Jokic of uh, the Denver Nuggets obviously has them, you know, up there in a really solid position uh, in the West. Uh, no question, uh, the top-level player. Uh, I think uh, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks has really put them in a position that no one thought that they could be in. So uh, those are some of the other candidates. But to me, it's... Uh, Clearly, uh, Giannis, uh, in, to my mind, a runaway at this stage, uh, just a marvelous young player. Uh, seems like a great teammate and just uh, not only a great offensive player, but uh, really a great defensive player as well. Just a, a, an amazing story. I kind of would say, too, you know, my most valuable player for the Kings here at this stage of the season would surprise most of you, if not all of you. And that would be uh, uh, Nemanja Bjelica. And I think Neminja, you know, has just been terrific because uh, he's been consistently good, been available, has played many positions, certainly hasn't missed games, has been available. I just think on so many levels, uh, he's the guy that uh, the Kings can count on the most. It's been a disappointing season, but uh, he has not been disappointing in any way, shape or form. So that would be my kind of midseason MVP for the Kings. Uh Rookie of the year, I, I think this is a, an easy one at this point, uh, mainly because Zion Williamson, uh, the great talent that, of New Orleans that came by way of Duke, uh, been injured and just has played seven or eight games. And there's no doubt if he can stay healthy, he's, he's a remarkable talent. But having said that, the guy that clearly is the rookie of the year is uh, will be, I think, short of something amazing happened as John ja Morant, the former uh, uh, Murray State uh, player, drafted second in the draft with with Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, Ja has really been the leader of that team. 
they were supposed to be the worst team in the West, really, and now they're they're currently very solid in eighth uh, playoff position. They're over 500, and he has a had a lot to do with it. Seems to be a natural leader and at 20 years old, pretty pretty remarkable. So he'd he'd be my number one pick there. Probably uh, you know number two, I I I think would have to be probably Tyler Hero. Uh, kind of a mid-first-round pick for, out of the University of Kentucky, plays for the Miami Heat. Uh, the reason I put him this high is because he's a valuable player, one of the top seven or eight players with the Heat, and they're a big winner. And uh, I always say uh, winning should get you a lot more consideration than just stats. And uh, so he's a, he's a big reason why they, they, the Heat, have won a lot more than anybody thought they would. So uh, Tyler Hero. And uh, I guess uh, most improved player, th this is always tough, and this is one likely to change a lot uh, by the time the season ends. But a couple of uh, leading candidates, I, I think the number one guy is a guy named Devontae Graham, really played last year, was mostly a kind of a two-way player, played some G League, uh, some with uh, the, the Charlotte uh, Hornets, but was up and back, really didn't have anything established. Now he's a leading scorer for the Charlotte Hornets and established himself as a, a top player. And I, I don't think you can get much more improved than that. He's carved out a, a very uh, nice niche for himself, as it were. Now, I, I think the, the second guy is a little, little different uh, because he was really good last year and he's a, a major star this year, and that's DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, the son of the great Arvidas Sabonis, uh, playing for the Indiana Pacers, uh, one of those guys that was had really good stats, was an excellent player last year on a, a very good Indiana team, and of course the Indiana team is even better, and he's playing at an all-star level, in fact is an all-star. So his game is translated to where he's went from being a good player on the Pacers to the very best player on the Pacers and an all-star. So. And Sabonis on his way to being a major star in this league, and uh, you know, they just uh, was was a tremendous uh, trade that the Pacers made to, to get Sabonis and Victor Oladipo from Oklahoma City. As you think back years for Paul George, I've always said, just keep this in mind. I think Paul George has made two teams better by leaving the Pacers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Pretty remarkable. Uh, Coach of the year. I think this is uh, probably one of the easiest ones for me at this point. Uh, Nick Nurse of Toronto. Uh, they won the world championship last year. They lost two starters. Kawhi Leonard, their, their most valuable player in the playoffs on their world championship. Danny Green, another key starter. They lost those two guys. And what have they done? They have a better record today at the same state of the season than they had last year with those guys. So... I just think it's a you can't you can't do a better job than he's doing. Uh, my back my second place and and there's four or five coaches that would deserve consideration, but my second would be Tyler Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies again, based kind of on the John Morant thing. Is that hey he took a team that was supposed to be probably dead last in the West and and here again they're over 500. So a bunch of young guys. It's a totally young team. And uh, they've gelled. The chemistry's great. I don't know if they can keep it up all year, but right now, you got to give Coach Jenkins 
lot of credit. So see what you think about that. And now six man, I think uh, there's so many guys that, uh, you know, you could put in there. Obviously, the way Buddy Hield is playing for the Kings, uh, if he'd been there all year and doing exactly this, this, you know, you could give him consideration, but he's only been a, a six-man for a few games, so you really can't put him in this category, uh, certainly not at this level. But my number one guy is uh, Montrez Harrell from the Clippers. This guy, he's a killer. I mean, 19 points a game, comes off the bench. He's really probably the second or third best player on the team. He just doesn't start. But uh, one of those guys that makes the team better every night. And uh, in the past, Lou Williams on the Clippers has been a six-man of the year several times, but uh, he's not playing at the same level of Harrell this year. So I give it to Montrez Harrell as the six-man. And, and I think my second would be maybe a little bit, a lot of people wouldn't agree with it, but I, Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics, uh, just a great defender, physical. You know, he's one of those guys that every coach in the league would like to have because he's going to go in there and and uh, knock you around a little bit and make you like it. Uh, just a tough buckaroo and uh, really has a lot to do with the success of the Celtics. And I think, uh, you know, one of those guys that helps you win games. And that's that's – not a lot of six men can do that, but he does. So those are my, uh, you know, my midseason awards. I uh, hope you agree with some of them. And, and at least I wanted to give you, you know, my reason and thinking on it. And so uh, maybe it makes a little sense. Now let's get into some real opinions here. This, I won't say they're Jerry Rants, but uh, they probably are a little bit. Uh, just things that... Uh, I think need to be changed or would make the, the, the league, the NBA, a better league, a better game, more enjoyable, maybe more fair, all the above. And uh, not that uh, the league is waiting for my opinions, although they should be. You hear me out there? They should be. Anyway, so see what you think of these. Number one, fewer timeouts. Too many timeouts. I know you got to sell uh, commercials, but you can, uh, you know, uh, run them all, run them along the bottom as the game's going along, like they do in soccer or, or like they do in golf. Have the the game in one corner and while it's going on. I mean, there's a lot of ways of doing it, but the reason I say fewer timeouts, speed the game up. You know, and you say, well, coaches want more timeouts. Of course they do. They'd like to have a hundred. They like call one every three seconds just to hear themselves talk. I know, I've been there, but uh, it isn't necessary. And fewer makes it fair for everybody. You know, it's the same for one team as the other. And I can say anything, speed the game up, keep the action going is is a good thing. See what you think on that. The the second thing I think is really necessary. All the different challenges. I I think it's good to have the challenges. Uh, Certainly to try to get, the, you know, in case there's missed calls, all that is very important. But I've kind of agree with uh, Grant Napier uh, on this. You know, if it takes more than a minute, it should never take more than a minute. If, if within a minute, make the decision. If you can't make it, then the, then the play call stands. Okay, got that? Got that, officials? Got that back in Secaucus, New Jersey? If you can't make the decision on a, it's that close to call, whatever the official called, Stands. Move on. NFL, you ought to get with that too, by the way. You guys taking way too long. 
uh, and and you're still wrong sometimes. Uh, I think uh, uh, coaches should get an automatic two two challenges, at least two challenges, and and no loss of timeouts whether you win or lose. So that way, if you feel you're late in the game and you've lost your uh, challenges, you don't have a timeout, but there's a huge play uh, that could change a game. It makes no sense to me. You should always always be, be able to challenge that. And, of course, the league can at any time as well. So think on that. Uh, just a, a play that came up recently, and I talked about it on the on our post-game or pre-game broadcast the other day, the goaltending challenge or, or unchallenge, as it were, in a Portland game where there's a clear goaltend. The officials missed it, didn't call goaltending. And it really cost probably Portland the game. Well, the reason at that time, it can't be if the official doesn't call a goaltend, you can't challenge it. Well, my opinion is you should be able to challenge it regardless whether they call it or not as a, as a coach. Or, or they can look at it. They, the other officials can say, we'll look at this and challenge it ourselves on, on the next dead ball, much like they do three-point shots. Because uh, as we know, on a three-point shot, uh, they may call three, but they'll, uh, they'll decide they want to look at it. They'll give a signal to the, the crew at the mid midcourt, and they'll look at it and may find out that it was a two, that toe was on the line or something like that, or, or vice versa. So, so certainly you, there's no reason you couldn't wait till the next dead ball, and if it's goaltended and you didn't call it, take the points off. Get it right, Okay. To me, that makes sense. Uh, uh, another little pet peeve of mine, uh, being old school, as you all know, of course I am old, so why wouldn't I be old school? But I, I've never liked the NBA rule to where at the end of, uh, within the last two minutes of the game, where if you call a immediate timeout after a made basket or something, you can advance the ball past to, to half court. I don't see any reason you should ever gain you know, be able to advance the ball without do, using it by pass or dribble like actual basketball like you see in college or, or you grew up playing. It's just an NBA rule that kind of a, I think a bogus kind of rule to in their mind to give a team that's behind a better chance to, to win, and I don't think that's even fair. Uh, you know, again, Take that rule out. Same for everybody. If you got five seconds left, get the ball in bounds. You still can get down the court quick enough to get a shot. So I, I just think it, in the long run it'd be a fairer game. I won't say, uh, you know, a lot of teams certainly have a chance with eight tenths of a second to win a game by by moving it to half court. But why should they? Just my thought. Uh, I think the uh, oh my my big one. My big one, and I know a lot of your, you know, a lot of you fans love the three-point shot. You'd like to see 80 zillion of them a game. Well, I actually think there's a, still a place for the big man in basketball, and they ought to allow to have some post play. And the three-point shot is overdone, especially, especially, especially the corner three. That's a cheap shot. It's about three foot closer. Why should it be worth three points than the, than the shots behind the arc? If it's not behind the arc, it's not a three-pointer. Take that. Take the corner three out. It's just a, a nice little jump shot. You say, well, now what will that do? That'll take away a lot of three-point shots. Sure, sure it will. There'll still be a lot of them made and taken, 
but there won't be that, the shorter ones they won't get credit for. And what you'll get, what you'll get is more fast break opportunities where guys are running the full speed layups, dunks, uh, more exciting basketball instead of guys running to the corners, they'll be running to the basket. And you'll also maybe get a little more post play, which I, I think is, uh, is missing in the game today, you know, to where it's, you know, three-point shots and layups and, and really not enough post play where that's still a skill and should be rewarded. So think on that one. And uh, the, maybe the last one, and, and, and I know I've, I've felt this way for years, is on, on the lineup on free throws, when a team is shooting free throws where the players are lined up. I like the, the college rule. If you watch a college game, they, they have moving, moved the, the inside guys back a full space behind that little box. Now, you, you say, now, why would you do that? Well, for two reasons. Number one, it, it will cut down on the, all the wrestling and stuff that you see. Uh, number one is like, well, why, why are guys li allowed to do that? Well, there's, there, when everybody's wrestling, nothing's called. I mean, it's just too much contact. And I think that would eliminate a lot of that. But more importantly for me, is in my opinion, if you miss free throws, you should have less of a chance of getting the rebound, not not a better chance. And by moving everybody back, that means the the opposition uh, that's not shooting the free throws has a better chance of getting the misses. And I think they should. You know, if you can't make free throws, why should you get it back? Okay, that's the idea. They're free throws, free points. So, hope you uh, give that some thought. So. Uh, you know, those are my uh, kind of thoughts on the rules. Now I want to go to one other thing. So now that I got you completely bored uh, you know, or mad at me, whatever, I'm going to give you a few opinions on, on the trades that happened, just a couple that struck me as, as interesting and see, what you, see if you agree on that. Uh, I really like the Warriors trade, by the way. I know a lot of the media and some fans, you know, not big fans of Andrew Wiggins. I can't say that I am a big fan of Andrew Wiggins either, but, you know, he, the fact, uh, you know, because it always comes up, well, he was the first pick in the draft and he's making this kind of money. He's not that good. Well, that's probably true, except that he's, he is good and the Warriors don't need him to be their main guy. They'll have those guys named Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. So he'll, I think he'll fit in brilliantly with them. And Steve Kerr is a, as good as anybody at utilizing talent. So I really think that that, and it's probably a good trade for Minnesota as well because D'Angelo Russell was not going to fit long term with the Warriors, but he will fit very well, I think, with Minnesota. So it's one of those trades, like most trades should be, is benefit both teams. But I, I really do like it for the Warriors. I don't like it for the Kings because, in my mind, this means that the Warriors, uh, they'll be back. I won't say they'll be back on top, but they're going to be back really uh, contending again. So that's, sadly, that's one of the teams that's behind the team Kings currently. And so... So that part I don't like, but is from a basketball standpoint, good move by the uh, by the Dubs. Uh, I think the uh, maybe the most valuable trade will turn out to be uh, the one that uh, the Clippers made, getting uh, Marcus Morris from the New York Knicks. Uh, Morris, a six ten player that can play the power forward or center, uh, give him toughness, give him another shooter, and uh, I just think. That maybe put the Clippers over the top to where they'll be 
the best team in the West. They don't have the best record right now, and they may not have the best record, but I think they'll be the best team. And I think they're, they are better with this addition than the uh, Lakers. So, so there's, so you have to like that. I, I'm not as, you know, the, the Heat made a, a big trade to get Andre Iguodala uh, and Jay Crowder from the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, uh, they gave up uh, Justice Winslow, a, a, a good young player, Deion Waiters, uh, James Johnson, which was moved on to Minnesota, all that. Uh, the, the primary, primary thing was that the Heat wanted Andre Iguodala and like Jay Crowder was kind of a throw in there. And I'll tell you, I think actually Jay Crowder is a better player right now. I mean, I, I think that the Heat thinks they're getting Andre Iguodala of two or three years ago. I'm not sure they are. We'll see. But I think Jay Crowder will really help that team. And I do like it actually from Memphis's point of view because they, Iguodala wasn't playing for them. And uh, they got Justice Winslow who, if he can get and stay healthy, gives them another young player that will fit in with the young core they have, a terrific uh, defender. So, you know, it, it, it's a consistent move, I think, that, that falls in line with what they're trying to do. And so, again, it should work out for both teams. I say I'm just not as convinced it's going to work out for the Heat in the way they think. But uh, I've always been a fan of Jay Crowder's, and I think he's going to add a lot to that uh, that franchise that and and certainly uh, with Andre you know maybe by season's end and playoffs he can be sharp enough to give him the 15 minutes that they need to guard certain people because he and his prime was absolutely great don't know if that I think that prime may be gone but we'll see and we'll touch base with this later so anyway that's a uh, you know, that's kind of it for me. I, I'm just, uh, you know, that's about all the thoughts I've had in the last couple of weeks. So I'll probably be drained now for another few days, you know, and uh, just have to be able to kind of hang around uh, Mrs. Reynolds and see what she wants me to do the next few days because that, that, that does it for me. So uh, let us know what you think. I hope uh, some of these uh, make sense to you. Hope you enjoyed uh, the little bonus uh, situation we've had here. And I'll certainly, if you like it, we'll, we'll do more of it. And if you don't, just tell me to shut up, okay? Say, Jerry, go away. But unless you do, you might get more of it. Thanks.